Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Whose image is on you? On you. Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every single word of God's revelation uh, in Scripture of Himself and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including a thought that I want you to carry into our New Testament reading today. Whose image is on you? I'm using that preposition purposefully. Well, you know the answer. But I hope that you will hear something that Jesus says in a little different way, and I think it'll become obvious when we get there. Hey, one note as we get rolling, because this is my ministry of passion and donations don't even quite cover costs, sometimes it's got to take a backseat to other stuff that, like me working all weekend. And that's okay. I am glad to serve in this way. But today's reading is going to be with almost no time to tighten up comments so you've been warned. <laughs> and and with that, I'll also say we're flip-flopping the story lengths today so that the story segments can kind of hang together. So we'll have a longer New Testament segment, a shorter Old Testament segment. And with that, let's, let's do it. Matthew chapter 21, picking up in verse 23. Continuing with um, part of the story where Jesus really begins to challenge authority in in um, Jerusalem. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I will also ask you one question, and if you answer it for me, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did John's baptism come from heaven, or was it of human origin? Well, they discussed it among themselves and thought, Well, if we say it's from heaven, he'll say to us, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the crowd because everyone considers John to be a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Continuing with red words here. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, My son, go work in the vineyard today. He answered, I don't want to. But later he changed his mind and went. And then the man went to the other son and said the same thing. And that son said, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did his father's will? And they said, well, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. Before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. Tax, tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. But you, when you saw it, didn't even change your minds then and believe him. Listen, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. He leased it to tenant farmers and went away, and when the time came to harvest fruit, 
he sent his servants to the farmers to collect his fruit. The farmers took his servants, beat one, killed the another, and stoned a third. Again he sent other servants, more than the first group, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenant farmers saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those farmers? He'll completely destroy those terrible men, they said, and lease his vineyard to other farmers who will give him his fruit at the harvest. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is what the Lord has done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Uh, By the way, um, that's kind of a combination of... uh, psalms but if i remember correctly that would have been recognized as messianic right meaning he just got done telling them they just rejected the messiah have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone this is what the lord has done and it is wonderful in our eyes therefore i tell you the kingdom of god will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit Whoever falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will shatter him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. Although they were looking for a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds, because the people regarded him as a prophet. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went away, one to his own farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent out his troops, killed those murderers, and burned down their city. Then he told his servants, The banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go then to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. So those servants went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And the king told his servants, Tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. All right, my friends, remember that question, whose image is on you? Here we go. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, and said, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. 
You don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Perceiving their, by the way, the Pharisees and the Herodians were enemies, right? So they're like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, or how does that go, right? So anyway, remember, they're seriously trying to set him up, and he would have recognized that, probably even if he wasn't God. But tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Perceiving their malicious intent, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they said to him. Then he said to them, Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God's the things that are God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Now, besides just pause, just besides being just outsmarting the fox here, what was what was his question to them? Whose image and inscription is on this coin? My friends, whose image is on you? Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Continuing. The same day some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came up to him and questioned him. Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us, and the first got married and died, and having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second also, and the third, and so on, to all seven. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, then, whose wife will she be of the seven? For they all had married her. Jesus answered them, You are mistaken, because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now concerning the resurrection of the dead... Haven't you read what was spoken to you by God when he said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. While the Pharisees were together, Jesus questioned them and says, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, David's. He asked them, How is it then that David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord? When he said, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? No one was able to answer him at all 
And from that day on, no one dared to question him anymore. And that gets us up through all the way through chapter 22. Good long chunk. So we're going to turn back to our Old Testament segment, picking up in Ezra chapter 3. Um, and I'm just going to roll. I'm going to kind of let the text speak for itself. It's a little more narrative-ish today than it was yesterday. When the seventh month arrived and the Israelites were in their towns, the people gathered as one in Jerusalem. Jeshua, son of Jozadak, and his brothers and the priests, along with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his brothers began to build the altar of Israel's God in order to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set up the altar on its foundation and offered burnt offerings for the morning and the evening on it to the Lord, even though they feared the surrounding peoples. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed and offered burnt offerings each day, based on the number specified by ordinance for each festival day. After that, they offered the regular burnt offering and the offerings for the beginning of each month and for all the Lord's appointed holy occasions, as well as the free will offerings brought to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, even though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not been yet laid. They gave money to the stonecutters and to the artisans. They gave food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, so they would bring cedar wood from Lebanon to Joppa by sea, according to the authorization given them by King Cyrus of Persia. In the second month of the second year, after they had arrived at God's house in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Jozadak, and the rest of their brothers, including the priests, Levites, and all who had returned to Jerusalem from the captivity, began to build. They appointed the Levites, who were twenty years old or more, to supervise the work on the Lord's house, and Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel with his sons, and the sons of Judah and Hanadad with their sons and brothers, the Levites, joined together to supervise those working on the house of God. When the builders had laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests, dressed in their robes and holding trumpets, and the Levites descended from Asaph, holding cymbals, took their positions to praise the Lord, as King David of Israel had instructed. They sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, singing, For he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Then all the people gave a shout, great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. But many of the older Levites and priests and family heads who had first seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this temple. But many others shouted joyfully. The people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shouting from the sound of weeping because the people were shouting so loudly. The sound of both was heard far away. Remember, they were in exile for 70 years, so this is some old folks remembering how it was, which would have been, was pretty glorious, meaning there would have been some recalling of what was no longer in place, even if there was joy that it was going to be rebuilt. Chapter 4. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the family heads and said to them, let us build with you, for we will also worship your God, 
and have been sacrificing to him since the time of King Esarhaddon of Assyria when he brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other heads of Israel's families answered them, You may have no part with us in building a house for for our God, since we alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us. Then the people who were already in the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. And they also bribed officials to act against them, to frustrate their plans throughout the reign of King Cyrus of Persia and until the reign of King Darius of Persia. At the beginning of the reign of Ahasuerus, the people who were already in the land wrote an accusation against the residents of Judah and Jerusalem. During the time of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabil, and the rest of his colleagues wrote King Artaxerxes, and the letter was written in Aramaic and translated, and Rehum, the chief deputy, and Shimshai the scribe wrote a letter to King Artaxerxes concerning Jerusalem as follows. From Rehum, the chief deputy, Shimshai the scribe, and the rest of the colleagues, the judges, the magistrates from Tripolis, Persia, Erech, Babylon, Susa, that is the people of Elam, and the rest of the peoples, whom the great and illustrious Ashurbanipal deported and settled in cities of Samaria and the region west of the Euphrates River. This is the text of the letter they sent him. To King Artaxerxes from your servants, the men of, from the region west of the Euphrates River, let it be known to the king that the Jews who came from you have returned to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and evil city, finishing its walls and repairing its foundations. Let it be known to the king that if that city is rebuilt and its walls are finished, they will not pay tribute, duty or land tax, and the royal revenue will suffer. Since we have taken an oath of loyalty to the king, and it is not right for us to witness his dishonor, we have sent to inform the king that a search should be made in your predecessor's record books, and in these record books you will discover and verify that the city is a rebellious city harmful to kings and provinces there have been revolts in it since ancient times that is why the city was destroyed we advise the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are finished you will not have any possession west of the euphrates well the king sent a reply to his chief deputy Rehum shimshai the scribe and the rest of their colleagues living in samaria and elsewhere in the region west of the euphrates river Greetings. The letter you sent has been translated and read in my presence. I issued a decree that was and a search was conducted, and it was discovered that this city has had uprisings against kings since ancient times, and there have been rebellions and revolts in it. Powerful kings have also ruled over Jerusalem and exercised authority over the whole region west of the Euphrates River, and tribute, duty, and land tax were paid to them. Therefore, issue an order for these men to stop so that in this city so this city will not be rebuilt until a further decree has been pronounced from me see that you not neglect this matter otherwise the damage will increase and the royal interests will suffer as soon as the king as soon as the text of king artaxerxes letter was read to Rehum, shimshai the scribe and their colleagues they immediately went to the jews in jerusalem and forcibly stopped them Now the construction of God's house in Jerusalem had stopped and remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius in Persia. And then the very next chapter starts with, but, and we will have to pick up that chunk of the soap opera tomorrow. My friends, whose image is on you? As you might imagine, opposition to the Lord's work 
uh, did not remain in permanent standstill. And I think it's useful for us to remember that um, we may or may not see success in our lifetime here, but it's really important to remember that God's ultimate sovereignty will prevail and we will ultimately be home. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.